Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Glad to have you on board. Now today we start a bit of an American series and I can't wait to get into today's show because we talk with Hans and with Dina from Rosa Blue in California. This is an incredible episode. I hope you really enjoy it. Let's get straight into it. The audio is a bit bad at the start, but trust me, it gets better as time goes on and the valuable content is just exceptional. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast. Amazing to have you on another episode. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Uh, today's a really special day because it's not often I get to meet and talk to some great American counterparts, especially on the West Coast where there's so much happening in LA food right now. Uh, so great to meet my new two best friends, Hans Lukman and Dina Sampson, both of San Julian uh, Hospitality. Um, guys, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you so much for having us, Sean. We're excited to be with you. Yeah, thank you. Now, Hans, you're the Director of uh, Hospitality and also a partner in Rosa Blue, which is the main restaurant in this amazing group. Uh, if I could have a chat to you first and just your part in this and how it evolved for you to be part of Rosa Blue from the start. Yeah, I, this is just a, um, you know, the word culmination comes up a lot when, when I'm talking with Chef. It's like it's the culmination of a lot of um, his restaurant experience and he's able to articulate this vision and, um, you know, be at the height of his powers creative uh, by kind of uh, looking back uh, at, at how he grew up and, and um you know, reflecting his his culinary point of view um, through through what we serve at Rosso Blue, and and my experience is is similar, just uh, in terms of you know it's the culmination of all my hospitality uh, experiences um, from New York to San Francisco to Miami to Washington D.C. Um, and now, as you just you you said in the introduction, now to be in Los Angeles where I have been for a while, but it's just such an exciting place to be. Yeah, when I was when I was just reading a bit about your bio um, the last couple of days, Hans, I was really blown away by your experience. I think the thing in the thing we lack in the the great thing about Australians here is that we're that we're very casual and laid back and relaxed when it comes to hospitality um, and we'll be in the industry for a long time about the great things that we've done. We're very humble people. What I love about America, uh, especially places like LA and New York, is the career is so well prominent and the hospitality is so much more a career and that's what really stood out to me when I read your bio um, the last couple of days. Do you, do you just want to explain a bit about your experience and how, how that's helped? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful way of framing it. Um... And, and, and to be quite honest, Sean, it, 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 it's, um, it's, it's a happy accident, really, that, that I'm in <laughs> hospitality, really. Um, you know, I, I, some people ask when I started, and, and I really feel like I started when I was six years old around the kitchen table. Um, you know, my mother imbued our, our home with a lot of warmth 
And there was something really beautiful that happened um, at our dinner table at 5.30 p.m. on the dot every single night. You needed to be at the table at 5.30. My dad was very strict disciplinarian, and, but he really prized that we would be around that table. Um, as much as he prized it, he really didn't contribute to any of it other than um, you know, sitting there and, and making a lot of demands in, in his own, you know, sweet way. And my brothers were just, you know, they came over from Guatemala. We're a first-generation family here in America. Oh, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. they, you know, my brother's first language was Spanish. So I think they were just kind of adapting um, to all the changes here. Uh, I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, outside of Detroit. And really... Um, I just was a feeler from the beginning, and I just could feel that my mom needed help. And so what I like to do is set the table, <laughs> and then I <laughs> to uh, do the dishes. You know, it was simple as that. And um, one mm-hmm. time I decided to help her out in an extra way, and I, I took her, her watch, and I snuck it into the dishwasher because I wanted to wash her, her um, watch for <laughs> and, and I ruined the watch. But the, the intention was there from the beginning to help. Now, Dana, you come from uh, a non-hospitality background when you first start reading about your bio uh, last night. Um, I don't know who, who to be more um, a bit revert of if it was if it was yourself or, or Hans. I felt, I felt like I wasn't I wasn't good enough to do this podcast today. Um, but but obviously, Steve being the main chef behind this brand and, and the thought behind both Rosa Blue and and and. And super fine pizza. Uh, how's it come to be that you've been part of this brand as well to work with him? Um, well, you know, yes. Yeah, so just as you said, I mean, Steve is really the creative, and and honestly, uh, the way that we've always thought about it is the the restaurant needs kind of three, you know, legs. There's like the creative side, then there's the people side, and then there's kind of like the operations number side. So in the beginning. I was the GM who did all of that, and um, and I did. You know, I was able to do the financial part because of this financial background that mm-hmm. I had. Um, and really, it was our partner's um, decision in the beginning. Um, he basically said, "You know, if we're going to do this together, I want Dina to be the GM of the restaurant because she knows how to she knows how to run yes. numbers, and that's the most important <laughs> part of you know running a restaurant is making sure the numbers are right." And so, I mean, honestly, I, my, I'm, I was a happy accident, too. <laughs> and I just said, okay, let's give it a try. And um, so, you know, that's how we ran Sojo for eight yes. years. And then when we were opening Rosa Blue, I said to Steve, listen, I, don't, I can't do it all. I want to focus on the numbers and marketing, and that's it. Let's find somebody that's a real people person who enjoys it, who can build relationships and and, um, and, you know, let's find that person. And we just happened to be friends with Hans through the years, you know, being in the industry. And we reached out to him, and thank God he was available because we ended up making him a partner. And now we're, he's going to be a part of everything that we do going forward. Wow. That's, that's really exciting to see, uh, especially I can feel like even not, unfortunately not being able to be in your restaurant yet, I can feel the genuineness and I can feel the love already. So I think Hans to be part of it. I mean, that's, it's obviously going to be very exciting for you. So when I was, when I was reading the last couple of nights, just about the press of Rosa blue, I was just blown away by the, 
by the feedback on this brand. It's just it's just exceptional, and uh, and obviously it's in the downtown of LA. It's in the fashion district, uh, the very cool district of LA. Uh, and you're focusing on, you know, handmade pasta, cured and grilled meats, and an exceptional wine list. With the restaurant landscape being very competitive, no matter where you're living in Australia or America, um, how do you sort of make sure that you're bringing those customers back to experience a, 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 an amazing restaurant like Rosa Blue uh, and not go somewhere else that, that might also be doing good things to Gosh, that's such a good question, Sean. Thanks. Um, you know, we, that was one of our first discussions when we got together. We, we, we talked about um, how competitive uh, a market was, you know, and, and um, we really, at, th- at that point, we, we just tried to control what we could mm. control. And we wanted to um, compete. I mean, we're all really competitive, <laughs> but we decided that what we would do is just compete against ourselves mm. and that every uh, service uh, would be better than the last. And I remember quite clearly it opened in June and then in July we, we challenged our whole team to 31 days of excellence. And what we wanted to do is put together a one great shifts in a row. Um, and uh, have each one be better than the last. And that kind of really set the table and the the tone for what we're even doing today, which is, um, you know, like a a continuous improvement every day. And where that really comes from is our people. So we really just, we have two things. We just like to take care of our people, and we want to improve every single day. And then the results start to happen. And... um, really take a lot of pride in um, this improvement that I'm talking about is Kaizen, which is a, a Japanese mm-hmm. term um, from the Toyota processing system. And another one of their terms is um, uh, Gemba, being on the shop floor. And the other one is Genshi Gembutso, which is go and see. And literally, it's for the, what that means to, to us is to be at the shop every day. So um, you know, while, while Dina was um, helping us with the operations and, and the, the, the numbers, you know, Chef Steve and I were in the restaurant every single day, making sure that everything was uh, as good as it could be and improving, and that we could really connect with mm-hmm. our guests. And I think that that's been a thing that has helped us. So, Hans, just talking about how Dina was talking about how good you are in those pre-shifts, and I think... Those precious meetings for me, especially with, I imagine, big groups of servers and teams like yours, really keep people in hospitality because they deem it to be a family then. And, and those 15 minutes before a busy service are really exciting for them. They look forward to it. How is that something that you've actually evolved into your repertoire and in, in running the restaurant? Um, yeah, it's, it's really about um, that that special time and we always start right on time. I mean, it's imperative that we start right at 445 or that we start right at 415 because we know that the guest who has a 5 p.m. reservation is going to come at 5 p.m. Yes. Uh, the guest who has a 730, there's no just kind of waiting around or yeah, we'll generally start at that time. No, we always start 
uh, at that specific time. So we're alert. And then for me, it's an, it's an a matter, it's an awakening, really. And we have to awaken into the space and we have to awaken into ourselves and what what our cause or our passion or our mission is for the night and just waking folks up. And sometimes that awakening will be uh, reading a poem. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it'll be talking about, you know, Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock, or maybe it's talking about, um, you know, ha- having a taste of wine. There just has to be something that awakens the service team, and you can't take it for granted ever that they're all present. They, they're coming from their, their, their own troubles and their own concerns, and, and it's my job to waken them up so, uh, and direct them into hospitality, which is a, uh, it's a portal through which we all step into. It's, we're stepping into the theater. We're stepping into something sacred, um, and we all take that leap together, and then we support one another through the service. How do you, being, uh, being such a big team, I imagine that you guys would have, how do you find, Hans, that you're actually doing that day-to-day and allowing yourself to go through that portal of hospitality and making sure that you're directing your team well? Like, what, what kind of things do you do in your life to make sure that you can actually execute on that? Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I, you know, I, I have a really strong meditation practice, and it's the first mm. thing I do in the morning. Um, uh, I began that that process eight years ago, and um, I meditate, I guess, for about 45 minutes every morning. Um, some guy, uh, I went to a yoga class, and maybe the way the light was hitting this guy's, uh, you know, where he was sitting. But he said to me, Hans, you have to do this every morning, the first thing in the morning in order to make any progress. And wow. for some reason, I was listening. And, um, and I began that process, and, and he was absolutely right. What was funny is it's uh, kundalini yoga, so he was wearing a, a, a turban, and he was dressed in all white. Wow. Uh, and then I saw him a year later, and he was uh, working at Trader Joe's. Um, you know, a grocery store. And I was like, that's the guy who enlightened uh, me. Wow. Doesn't it does this, this come with moments, doesn't it? That's, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. It's true. It's true. Yes. But, you know, as as I was, you know, Dina had mentioned that she got to hear your episode and I got to hear it too, Sean. And mm. there was something where you were talking about how your team had, had supported you um, in, mm. in some tougher times in this business, and and we all go through that, you know. And uh, we're we're sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down, um, you know. It's it's sometimes hard to separate the personal from the professional, the emotional from the uh, mental. Um, and but having a great team around you, you know, is always inspiring. And uh, those days when I can't pick them up, they pick me up for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful thing. Um, I, I noticed on your on your mes, uh, menu for for Rosa Blue that you uh, you price it so that you uh, you don't expect uh, guests to give your staff tips, which is obviously a very much a, a North American thing, opposed to what we do in Australia, where tipping is not really a thing in Australia. Did you? Have you guys found that hard to actually develop into your brand that it's that you know gratuities are actually part of the menu? Um, well, you know, 
this this all comes down for us uh, of, of the quality of mm-hmm. hospitality again. I mean, I I thought you know when we when we decided to do it, um, you know, which yes, it's totally different than other mm. countries, right? Really, United the United States is the only one that does it. Um, and Steve really wanted to be able to control that um, that you know revenue. Not that the it wouldn't be for the just the servers, but he'd want to make sure that the back yes. of the house, you know, was able to kind of participate in that. We wanted to kind of de- eliminate that huge, dis- not eliminate, but maybe at least de- decrease that huge disparity. So we had to think about how are we going to do this? And we decided, okay, listen, the key to making it happen and having people get on board again is the best hospitality you can get. Yeah, right? absolutely. And if, and, and, and if you don't, and if you're not, if we failed, then we would, you know, be able to, we would take off that, um, that mm-hmm. charge, uh, you know, and, and make people feel like, listen, we know we failed you and this is how we're going to make it up to you. Um, you know, and so we're just super conscious of it, super conscious. And, you know, there are a lot of restaurants that have tried it in Los mm-hmm. Angeles and, you know, they always get the terrible reviews about, oh, why are, you know, what, what you know, why, why are they charging this? And, and we've been able to survive it. And I think um, it's because of our great hospitality. And that accepting when we failed and, and giving great hospitality, we accept our responsibility yeah, for it. Absolutely. Do, do you think just in that maybe it's more of a, uh, the making it part of the menu is more of a East Coast thing rather than a West Coast thing for the moment? Yeah, it doesn't really happen here in Los mm. Angeles. So it doesn't. I think that um, I think it it, it happens um, at higher end mm. restaurants. Um, it's kind of just a given that you're going to pay, you know, uh, some kind of service charge that's automatic, yes. you know, no yep. matter what. Um, but um, yeah, it's not normal. But I, I'm starting to see it a little bit more here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are trying it or at least making it a. Um, something that's a little bit more palatable it's not maybe it's not so high of a service charge sure, you know sure but they just they recently just passed some laws here actually in California which are going to allow the sharing of tips now mm. to go to the back that's of the great. house so yeah so that's kind of an interesting concept but you know but again we believe in our model and um, you know we, we we like the way that it, it works uh- because really, then we make the decisions on what happens with that that kind of, um, you know, that that income, mm-hmm. I guess, and it's not your employees kind of making that yeah. decision. So it kind of makes no. More sense. I understand. When I when I looked at it the last couple of days, I was from an outsider's perspective, I was you know really excited to see that um, because I think it's just leveling it up and and making sure that as you say, the back of house, are, you know, getting as much. Uh, financial uh, support is what what the front of house are doing. So I really applaud you for doing that. It's a really cool thing. Um, Yeah, it's a cool thing. And if any of your listeners are um, have questions about it, you know, they can always contact us. We want to create a community um, that supports uh, this initiative um, uh, because we believe in it so strongly. I mean, the tipping in America is a very, very dark dark legacy and dark origin and uh, we wanted to be liberated from that Uh, and one thing that we noticed John is that you know that business model uh, ultimately uh, shaped our service model uh, to a large degree about who would be on board with doing something like this who would um, 
who could we cultivate um, and who could believe in this? Um, and so we found that we, uh, a lot of my contemporaries and colleagues that I had waited tables with for years were not going to get on board with this because they are part of that legacy mm. of, you know, the front of the house making so much more money than the back of the house. Um, so what we found is that we had to um, ingratiate ourselves and, and hire younger um, people who were looking to, maybe it's a lateral transition, um, maybe they wanted a fresh start in their career, or maybe they're just starting in the hospitality business. So we have a lot of young um, people and uh, maybe less experienced people, but they're, they have open minds and they're honest and they're willing, and um, that's what we need in order to make this work. The other thing that we need is to have our expectations. We're not trying to meet our guests' expectations. We're trying to meet our own. And so we have raised our expectations really, really high, and we need to hit that mark every single night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're obviously doing an amazing job by the reviews I'm seeing, so so congrats. Um, now you have a you have a obviously with Rosa Blue and obviously with uh, Superfine as well. You have two venues which are remarkably well architectured, amazing artwork and 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 experience from a visual standpoint for a consumer. Is it is it hard with the expense that that's gonna that actually takes with the fit out of restaurants? Is it hard to keep that above the trend so people are always coming back? Um, for a different visual experience in the restaurant as well. Hmm. Well, well, I, you know, I, thanks for um, thanks for that. You know, I think, uh, you know, strangely enough, the, the design and the artwork that we that we have in both places, um, those were done by friends of ours. Really? <laughs> so. Yes, because, you know, we, we opened Rosa Blue on our own, Steve and I did. You know, we raised all the money on our own, mm. and, you know, we had to keep a very tight budget. And so one, the, the person that does all our graphic design, I mean, he's a friend of ours, and he just cares so much. And, you know, this project has always been a project about people that care and people that love us. And, you know, even our investors, our family, our friends. And so... I, you know, I just, I didn't even think about it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just said, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And they were like, we want to be a part of it. It doesn't matter how much you pay us. We just want to help. We want to be, you know, we want to help you guys shine. And and that's how this, everything that we do, we try to partner with people like that. And so this, you know, the design is funny. Like, literally, we're, we're about to um, remodel our garden. Yeah. And I contacted our architect um, and our designer, and I said, "Listen, we, you know, restaurants don't make a lot of money, which they know, right?" Yes. And I said, "But we really want to upgrade our garden. Um, what do you have? Some? Do, can you give us ideas? We'll do all the sourcing. We'll do everything. We just want ideas." And they just sat down with us and gave us a bunch of ideas. And you know, it's—I don't know—we're we're lucky that way, I guess. Mm. Same thing with Superfine, um, and you know, and the branding of Superfine. We have a friend, his, you know, JP Giuseppe, he's amazing, and he just wants to be a part of it all. Um, we ended up making him a partner over at Superfine because it's such a brand-heavy, um, you know, uh, concept. Yes, yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Everyone just wants to be a part. So we don't, we don't lack for 
change up, right? Because all I have to do is kind of reach out and everyone's willing to help. Is it? Uh, I'm, I'm blown away by that answer. It's an amazing answer. And I think sometimes we don't realize as people like so I can hear in both your voices very easily how humble and honest and how and how much you would give back to the people you've worked with and your friends and family and that kind of stuff. Is it is it hard to realize for both of you that the realization of the the reason why those things are happening is because the amount that you've actually put in beforehand with those relationships? You know, I it's funny. Sometimes I don't think about it mm. until like moments like this when I'm talking to you. Yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I guess it's not even a, it's not even hard for us because I have these amazing people in our lives. Right. Mm. And so it's moments like this where I notice it. Um, or even when I was same thing, when, you know, the thing that Hans was talking about of your podcast, um, when you were talking about your team helping you out and helping yes. support you. I mean, I feel the same way. It's like we have that kind of support here in almost everything we do because we give that support in everything that we do, you know? Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. How, how big a team do you guys actually have at Rosa Blue? Um, right now, we currently have 60, 60 employees. Wow. How, yeah. how, do you, how do you make sure you're meeting you know, all their needs and, and, you know, it's a very emotional business. I'm sure Dina, as you would, you would know, you know, coming out of finance and going to hospitality, you've now realized how, how emotional <laughs> right. business hospitality is. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, how are you both sort of making sure that you're, you're meeting the expectations of your team every day? Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, you know, um, I think it's about, uh, building relationships and, and, and earning trust. You know, we talked mm. about that, that relationship process that we have with the guest. Well, I don't think it's, it's dissimilar um, with our team. Um, you know, I, I found that when, when I, even every week, every Friday, I, I send out the, the front of the house schedule. Uh, that to me is really important because that's a touch point. Um, for me and my team. And yes. I don't just send them the schedule. Here's the schedule. I, I, I try to put something in there that's inspiring. I try to relate it to, um, you know, an article that they can read about uh, the industry or um, a documentary about um, uh, the, the restaurant business that they can see. Wow. Um, and, and so I see, I see that there's so many touch points for me to connect to my team, and I never take any of those for granted. But I also know that uh, you, you have to earn that. And sometimes in my past, a lot of this is hard-won knowledge, Sean, because I've seen people just, you know, uh, become a restaurant manager. They put on a suit, and they immediately assume that they're mm. going to be followed. But that yep. doesn't happen. You have to be out there on the floor leading the way, showing by example, and and. I'm, I've always been a guy who works with his feet and his hands, and, and that's who I'll always be. So I get out there, I move on the floor, I help my team, and, um, and I think that's just a great way to, to earn it. Um, and it's a humbling process, you know. Mm. As you know, it's, it's very, very humbling because sometimes you just don't hit the mark as well as you, you could. No, I, I think leading by example, Hans, is incredibly important and it's you know great you know obviously it's great to see you doing that i imagine that you do that every single day and i think it's, it's the things that 
it's the things that people see you doing when you don't realise that is the most important, I think. And, and exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. No, no more that's important than in hospitality. That's one of our core values too, uh, you know, integrity, and that's what we always talk about. It's like what you're doing when no one is looking, you know, yes. essentially. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's something that, boy, that's really powerful stuff right now. That's, there's magic in that. Yeah. Is that, a, we can go back to those three core values because I think they're, they're really important to talk about. I don't think outside of a lot of, you know, big scale kind of fast food QSR brands that that is a thing. Is that is that something that you sort of have on a wall out the back to remind the staff every day or is that just something you sort of talk about and as part of your repertoire of what you talk about every day? Yeah, it's all those things. You know, we actually mm. have named uh, one of our core values is work ethic. And instead of having a, a back office, we actually have the work ethic room. And, um, we, we, <laughs> I love that. And the locker room for um, our employees is called the integrity room. Um, <laughs> and so we, we try and really imbue the space with those those values. Um, and... Uh, you know, the, the interesting part about that is I think sometimes people try and find the values outside of the organization and then try and stamp them onto their team and implement from the outside in. And that's not the way we did it. We went from the inside out. We looked around at what was working. We looked around at what we admired that was already existing within our team. And then we pulled those notes out and stressed them and mm. talked about them and underscored them. And, um, in fact, you know, when we returned to business after a small kitchen fire, we, we knew we were going to have to get, um, we are going to have to hit the ground running. So we brought two new core values that we found that our team had. And one of those was can-do spirit. Um, mm. I can do this no matter what the um, obstacles or challenges. Um, and the other one was just a real passion for the brand, and after being open for a year and a half, we were able to cultivate that passion and identify it, and and identify it in those people who work with us every day, shoulder to shoulder. Do you have passion for what we're doing? Because we're going to need it <laughs> to yeah. get through what we need to get through. You know? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Do you think you guys are obviously building, uh, from an outsider's perspective, are building an amazing framework to build a group? that can be can be very big in the industry and I know that you know there's a lot of private equity money in in both Australia and 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 American brands in hospitality are you trying to build a big brand here do you think or you think you're just trying to build a really humble brand that can you know maybe bolt on a couple more different projects hmm. <laughs> well I think that uh, I think we're open to anything really right I mean mm. you just want to the, the reason why we want to grow is not for ourselves so much as for the team I mean there's so we have so many great people here who need to move up and yeah. you know kind of get promoted and how do we do that with just one restaurant you know you can't you know mm. there, so what we want to do is open more restaurants so that the, the people that want to move up and and be in this industry can have that opportunity and hopefully with us. Yes. So um, how that works out, um, I don't know. I just know that um, we, we will stick to our core values and whatever it is we do. So, you know, if it's us just building a group on our own, we'll do that. If it's 
somebody coming in and saying, here's some money and do it, that's mm. fine. But as long as we can stick to our core values and, you know, be who we are, then we're fine with that too. But the, but the key is really to help our people grow and to keep them happy. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. Do you, do you think as you grow and potentially do another restaurant and another restaurant that it's a framework that will always sit around Steve's um, answer, like old history and, and, and that kind of stuff in Italy and always have an Italian kind of flavour to it? Is that where the brand will always sit, do you think? No, not necessarily. Mm. I mean, I mean, I think, I think we'll, you know, we, you know, we, we've been talking to some people, and I mm-hmm. think that Steve's comfortable staying in the Mediterranean, um, yep. you know, realm, yep. just because that's you know, that's kind of very similar. Um, although he would love, I'm sure, someday to do like tacos or something. Or something <laughs> like, Why not? You know, yakitori. <laughs> yeah. You know, yes. he, he has a um, he. I mean, he, he cooks everything well, but you know, but there is, I think, the from the start, you know, we kind of have to stick with our Mediterranean kind of roots. And yeah. See how that goes. Yeah. Do you, with regards with um, the different cities in America and, and that kind of stuff, from from here in Australia, we hear a lot about New York food, and mm-hmm. and how that is a is a very prominent, you know, part of you know American cuisine. Is it? Do you sort of feel that as well that you're sort of competing against? you know, places like New York to really say, put your hand up and go, you know what, we're actually doing amazing food as well, or do you not sort of feel that in the U.S.? Well, I've had an opportunity to travel to New York, uh, I think, three times this year, and um, I lived there for a long time, about nine years. Yep. Um, actually, it's, it's interesting uh, that you picked this up because I was thinking about it last night. Um, that's where I really uh, learned a lot about the professionalism of the restaurant business. Um to to go into those spaces in Manhattan um, mm. to 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 realize how much is at stake and what is the cost of not getting it right and the pressure um, it's enormous and it it's consuming and you can feel the importance and the weight and the gravity of opening a restaurant in New York City. Um, mm. It's also an incredibly uh, inspiring place, you know, when I went and was able to stay in Brooklyn and to see these great new restaurants. Um, and, and you know, the, actually the last time we went, my wife and I made it a point to go only to restaurants with women chefs um, because we wanted to support that vision. And, um, wow. yeah, it was, it was super exciting, and the service is great. And But having said that, you know, I, I feel that we're all on the same playing field and, and we we can compete with New York restaurants, you know. I, Chicago yeah. is another exciting place that's San yes, Francisco is that. huge, you know. Um, but, but New York always will have a place in my heart because it's so inspiring and it, it really introduced me to um, how important... Uh, you know, I remember going to, to Paris one time, and the waiter came over and basically told me what I was going to eat. He could tell by, you know, uh, the look on my face, my demeanor, the, the color, uh, you know, I was a little bit pale. Mm-hmm. He, knew I, he knew what I needed. I mean, there was almost a shamanic uh, um, medical application to his talent, you know. Yeah. And, and I experienced that in New York, and I, and I think we, we have that within us. We're not just order takers. You know, we yes. can guide people into an enriching experience that can make them feel better. Mm. 
I was going to ask you just, you touched on going to New York and just talking about trying to find female chef led, you know, businesses. Was that, was that hard for you to actually find Hunt? It, no, it wasn't, you know, oh, we, that's we, really good. We, we, we were, we have five left on the list, so we're going to go back wow. in April, you know, um, and, and, and here too, you know, it's, it's something that's important for us, you know, having, you know, I mean, Dina's the owner of this, this mm. company, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, not only that, but, you know, like, like myself, we're, we're minority business owners. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. we take a lot, I mean, I'm, I'm a Guatemalan guy and I get to be a partner in this restaurant. Uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible thing to be in Los Angeles and be a Guatemalan who is a partner in a restaurant, you know? Yeah, um, most definitely. <laughs> is it, is it, uh, the reason I touched on that is I think the hospitality industry, I can slowly start to feel to try to change into be, you know, females coming up and, and, and being figureheads of great brands and that kind of stuff. Because I think the power in that is the industry changes and becomes a lot more humble. Um, I won't use the word soft, but it just becomes a lot more true to actually what hospitality is. And do you feel that sort of coming through as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm. we, we, especially here, this is Cucina de la Nona is what we're celebrating. It's, it's grandma's yes. food. Yes. And, you know, there's this beautiful tortellini and brodo that we make. And, you know, we take it a step further, not, not just serve, serving it at the table in the bowl, but we actually um, ladle it into um, our guests' bowls for them because we feel like if, my grandma was going to serve me this dish. This is how she would do it, you know. Wow. Um, so mm. we get that extra layer of tableside service. Um, and, you know, we, we feel there, there's a spirit in this place, too. I know you, we were talking about the architecture earlier. Mm. But we are in the original wholesale produce market. We are in that space, the original wholesale produce market in Los Angeles. And there is a, a, a spirit in here that hovers and uh, inspires us, or at least inspires me. I don't know. Maybe it's in the meditation stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go back to Trady Joe's maybe, Hans, and talk to him again. <laughs> um, well, what about you, Dana? Do you, do you sort of feel that as well? Do you feel since your time in hospitality that you know, the female voice has come through a bit more? Yeah, see, I guess to, for me, it's funny. It's kind of different because I've always been a female restaurant owner, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know any differently. Yeah, and, um, yeah. So for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I see what you're saying now. I do, but, I, you know, but again, like Steve and Hans, they're very, they're, they're feelers, right? So yes. So it's like, even though the they're not, not females, yeah. right, yeah. even yeah. though they're not females, there's a feminine energy in this restaurant, even when I'm not here. Right? Yeah, yes, and, yes. And, and, and funny enough is when Steve and I were, when we first started thinking about Rosa Blue, Steve said right away, I want a name that, you know, I, I want the design to be very female. I, like he wanted it to have mm. feminine energy because it is his grandmother's cooking, you know, mm. and it is his mother's cooking. Um, so that he wanted that from the start. Mm. So that's, that's incredible. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Now, one of the last questions I'll ask you guys today, um, brands brands like Uber Eats and and obviously you have Postmates, uh, which is a big brand uh, delivery concept in in America as well. Uh, 
do you feel obviously they're important for for brands like Superfine because they're delivering your amazing product to guests who who don't want to be in the restaurant, right. but. But do you think it's going to change, that delivery model is actually going to change the whole hospitality landscape where people are just used to having, you know, great food or, you know, great food come to their house all the time and they don't want to experience an amazing experience like what we've heard today about Rosa Blue? Right. Huh. You know, it's funny. I mean, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> people still want to come to restaurants. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, though, you know, uh, for a restaurant like Rosa Blue, anyway, I mean, you come for the experience. You, I, think, I think they come for the experience. You mm. can't get that. You can't get that by, well, maybe you can if you're feeling sick and you get a bowl of tortellini and brodo. Yes. You know, it comes to you and you feel better. But for the most part, I mean, the, the space, the service, I mean, I hope that we've created something that people want to come and try, you know. I mean, it's funny, we're about to, we're thinking, considering launching um, delivery at Rosa Blue, but only for brunch, mm. only for brunch. Okay. Because, you know, we, we're downtown. Yes. A lot of people are looking for breakfast, you know, in the morning, maybe they don't want to get up. And so we're kind of grappling with how to, how to do that and how to make it still good, you know? Yeah, and, that's the hard um, bit, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And so, so we're, we're, we're thinking about that. But funny enough, it's super fine. You know, most pizza delivery businesses are mostly all delivery. For some reason, everyone wants to come to the window. And it's it's a window. It's not even a restaurant. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, we have more people coming to the window than we have delivery. So now now we're, we're thinking, wow, I bet you we could do a lot more business if we start promoting delivery. So we're, we're kind of on the – we're starting to do that, you know? But these think- delivery services don't really work for uh, something like a Superfine either because, you know, people are used to just calling a pizza place and um, use service and pay the extra fees just to get a pizza yeah. delivered. So, um, so we don't really use it there either. We, we have it available just in case, um, and people do use it. But, um, I, you know, I think we focus, we'll focus more on doing our own delivery and um, – mm-hmm. And then you know, again, just people coming to the window because they will. I think it'd be I think it'd be pretty cool if a brand a brand did a delivery service that actually then brought it into your house and be like if you had room service at a hotel. Right, so, right. So if, if you were able to deliver on some some part of your brand's customer experience in someone's house in a really small way, you know when you deliver it for yeah. five minutes and if you controlled it, I think that'll be the power with brands like yours, which are humble in origin and, and really care about the product and the angle of service. I think that'll be, that'll be the new thing which people will pay for. They'll pay for an experience, but in their house, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's cool, that's, actually. That's, yeah, I think the, you know, the delivery thing is interesting because I went to this tech table conference in New York and there was a woman there, Tressie Lieberman from Chipotle, and she was mm-hmm. amazing. And what she said to me was like, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, delivering. Um, she's like, you don't meet your, some of your best guests. You, you will never, ever meet them. No, and I thought that was so the strangest disconnect that I could have possibly imagined. Yeah. Like you're running a business and never meet your people because they just get delivery. Um, but I think that when I heard that, I was also super inspired because for us in the restaurant businesses, our guests, they, they want that connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so yeah. deep and vital 
that they want to be seen mm -hmm. and they want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And and that's what a, another important touch point for us is to see and to hear people, you know. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah. Guys, today has been an amazing experience. I appreciate you being so patient um, on the podcast. Um, oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. And, Thank you. and taking up the time. Where Where's the best place um, that people can find out about about Rosa Blue and Superfine? Oh, um, well, um, we, we're big Instagrammers, so you can follow yes. us on Instagram, <laughs> Rosa Blue LA, um, and then also Superfine Pizza. And then obviously we have our websites as well. But, I mean, I think, you know, to really kind of, you know, since you're all the way over in Australia, if they want to get a, get a good feel of what goes on here, um, you know, our, our Instagram account's pretty good at, like, keeping people updated on what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally, I can totally vouch for that. So, um, yeah. uh, Dina, Hans, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I think this will start a, hopefully a friendship that we can, uh, I can actually visit one of your restaurants soon and, uh, oh, have a proper amazing. chat. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Really enjoyed that version of the Open Pantry podcast as we start to talk to more American venues very shortly. Let me know what you think. Jump on Instagram on Open Pantry Consulting and just hit me up. Let me know what you think. Uh, your feedback is always valuable, but make sure you check out Rosa Blue and Superfine. They are doing incredible things and worthwhile a visit if you're around the place in California. Thanks, guys. Until next time, take care.